0: Before we get to this week's episode of Assembly Call Radio, a quick word from this week's sponsor, SeatGeek. As you know by now, buying tickets can be complicated and confusing, but there is a better way to buy with SeatGeek. SeatGeek is the smartest, easiest way to get tickets to every type of live event. Whether you're searching for a last minute deal, planning a night out with friends, or need to find the perfect gift, SeatGeek helps you find the best seats at the best prices, fully guaranteed. There is nothing quite like being there in person, and SeatGeek will get you closer to the action. For a great value. I have the SeatGeek app on my phone. I hope by now that you do as well. Uh, And it is by far the easiest way that I have found to shop for tickets because I can be anywhere and with just a few taps, I can instantly find seats. I have used SeatGeek to buy Mavericks tickets to go see Yogi play. I've used it to buy Rangers tickets. I've used it to buy Ed Sheeran concert tickets for my wife. I've used it to buy IU tickets. And you can too. You'll find IU basketball tickets on there, IU football tickets, uh, and any type of live event pretty much that you want, you will find on SeatGeek And I highly recommend the app because it does make it so convenient. And that's the thing about SeatGeek is it is designed to make your ticket buying experience easier than ever. And they save you time and money because they search multiple ticket sites to compare prices and find amazing deals. And best of all, because you are an Assembly Call listener, you get $20 off of your first SeatGeek purchase. So just download the SeatGeek app and enter the promo code ASSEMBLY today. That's A-S-S-E-M-B-L-Y promo code ASSEMBLY for $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase. Welcome, Hoosier fans, to this week's edition of Assembly Call Radio, where each week we discuss the most important IU basketball stories from the past seven days. This is our 86th edition of Assembly Call Radio, and it is our 417th episode overall of the Assembly Call, recorded on the evening of Thursday, July 26th, 2018. I am your host, Jared Morris. And let's begin this edition of the Assembly Call, how we begin every edition of the Assembly Call, and that is with our Hoosier proud... Banner Moment. is In
1: national
0: This week's Banner Moment occurred on Wednesday when Cliff Marshall announced the winners of the 2018 offseason championship belt. Last year, as you may recall, Deron Davis claimed the belt after an offseason that had everyone buzzing about how he had transformed his body and improved his conditioning. This year, two Hoosiers will share the belt, and perhaps not coincidentally, they are the two Hoosiers that we pinpointed in a recent episode as being most likely to emerge as the vocal leaders for this year's team, Juwan Morgan and Al Durham. As we discussed in our recent episode breaking down Al, it's unclear right now exactly what his role is going to be on the floor this year. But for Juwan, the role is clear. He is the senior leader and go-to guy. He's a preseason All-Big Ten player and a potential All-American. Sure, Romeo Langford is around now to take his share of big shots and will have a huge role in the offense from day one, but the freshman is going to lean on the accomplished senior much more than the other way around. And that's why Jawan, being one of the belt winners is so important. Think back over just the last eight seasons of IU basketball. In the three seasons that we'd all consider to be successful, 2012, 2013, and 2016, Indiana's best player or players were also the unquestioned leaders of the team. But in the other seasons, Indiana's best players were not the guys who were also capable of consistently carrying the leadership mantle. And it showed. At times, it was even called out by the coach. This year's Hoosiers won't have that problem. We all saw the natural leadership qualities Juwan possessed as far back as when he committed to Indiana. Then he arrived at IU and immediately saw what strong internal leadership looks like as a freshman. He then saw its opposite as a sophomore and began to emerge as a leader in his own right during his breakout junior season. Now the team is his. He is what Yogi Ferrell was in 2016. He is the man tasked with setting the tone through his example, through his production, and through his words. So far, he seems up to the task. And hey, it can't hurt to have a fellow veteran like Al Durham right there setting a good example along with him. All right, now let me introduce my esteemed co-host for this week's show. To my left, he is an assistant coach at Western High School, the host of Sports Talk with Tonsoni, and the founder of current Bracket Matrix top dog, Delphi Bracketology. I refuse to believe that's the case. Well, it is the case, Andy. He is the coach, Brian Tonsoni.
1: Coach, it is Tonsoni time. What's on your mind? Well, thanks uh, for having me on again. I always uh, enjoy coming on the show you know we've seen some really interesting things here with the the report that we'll talk about later from the the vertical leap uh that has to be exciting about the the players are getting better uh with cliff marshall uh you know we talked about hoosier or you guys did last week about hoosier hysteria the date and and now i'm seeing through the bracketology world uh the brackets for the maui invitational and Uh, Some of the schedules coming out, Duke's schedule uh, hit the airwaves today. And uh, I saw Alabama's uh, non-conference schedule. And so the excitement for me is when are we going to see Indiana's non-conference schedule with dates and so forth. We already know a lot of the opponents, but we're, but the, the bracketology world is starting to talk strength of schedule possibilities. And that's getting, uh, getting this bracketology guy and IU fan really excited because I think we're going to have a year where Indiana is going to be in those discussions uh, throughout the year, and we're not struggling on post-game shows to find something to talk about. Uh, uh, I think those years are, are past, and this is the first year where we get back to some sort of normalcy, and it's just taking way too long to get there. So uh, a lot of good scheduling news coming out around the country, and uh, it's just getting this old guy excited.
0: And to my right, he is a columnist for The Big Lead. He's a co-host for The Hangover. And, you know, I don't really have a clever joke this week. So let me just say that this guy is one of the most well-informed sports fans that I know and a great teammate to work with on a weekly basis. We are just really lucky to have him here on the show. What
2: the hell is happening?
0: He is Ryan Phillips. You know, I may stop by tonight. I'm working. I have to do the radio show. I was
2: at that game on the floor. I was stone friggin' sober and lost my phone in an Uber. We got to move because somebody here has to work. Ryan, what is your IU basketball rant this week? I knew something was coming there. (laughs) It was was way too nice, Jared. Uh, Yeah, you know, I was really excited to see that uh, Yogi Ferrell wound up actually leaving Dallas last week. Since our last show, Yogi Ferrell has signed a deal with the Sacramento Kings. He got a little extra money. That segment
0: didn't age well.
2: It did not age well because it was like the next day. It was like, oh, yeah, I'm not going back to Dallas. Uh, So I, I think we were all really happy for Yogi. He got a little extra cheddar there. Uh, see that Noah Vonley has signed a deal with the Knicks and that uh, I think Troy Williams signed with the Pelicans. Is that yep. right today? Yes. Uh, so good for those guys signing on with teams before the season starts. It would look like Troy Williams might be going to the Knicks or back to the Knicks, but he decided to, to go with the Pelicans. So uh, some really nice moves there. And I agree with, with coach. It's just, it's just, a, this is just another week where we're like, all right, off season's long. Can we get some basketball please? And it was really nice to see the, uh, the guys, uh, Jawan and, and Alderm, as you mentioned, win the off-season award, and and really, I, I think it's just I, every time I talk to an IU fan, it's the same as we're saying. It's just, can we just get the season started already? I mean, I'm I'm just ready, and not a whole lot going on this week as far as breaking news or anything like that, but. I think uh, we're all just really ramping up and excited. Also, I'm very excited for the coach mentioned that Maui invitational bracket. I will be there again this year, so be sure to follow along uh, with my work at the big lead. But uh, in the opener, it's my hometown, San Diego State. Aztecs will be facing Duke out on the island. So I'm pretty San excited Diego about that. Chicken ch- yeah exactly. my yeah. hey, wait a minute. you're gonna be in San Diego soon, Morris. so I am. I am. I am. A- Andy,
0: Andy's gonna be hosting that show. He can just do that drop the entire time.
2: <laughs> I know and then uh and then Andy this week texted me kind of sheepishly, like, hey, we might be coming out to l a uh do you have any recommendations? I was like, yeah, I got plenty.
0: I don't know if that's so, accurate, but all right.
2: It's absolutely accurate, Eddie.
0: <laughs> all right. Uh, here's what we are going to talk about this week. Did you see how many Hoosiers had vertical leaps of 40 inches or higher? We're going to discuss the crazy video that made the rounds this week. Then we're going to talk about coaching. Uh, we're going to talk about what makes for a successful coaching staff, a subject that Coach Tonsoni knows a thing or two about and wrote about this week. And then we'll discuss the biggest challenges that await Archie Miller in his second season as Indiana's head coach. And we will answer your questions, as we always do. All of that coming here on Assembly Call Radio. Before we get to talking about that crazy video with all the verticals, a quick reminder. It's about money! I want to quickly remind you of two great ways to shop online for tickets and for IU gear that also help us out at the same time. Remember these two URLs, iutickets.shop and iustore.shop. When you use those URLs to buy IU tickets or gear, tickets or gear that hopefully you would be buying anyway, we actually get paid a commission for referring you. And these commissions really add up and help us cover the costs of running the show iutickets.shop will take you right to SeatGeek where you can immediately find the best deals on IU basketball tickets as well as IU football tickets, concert tickets, and other live events. And as a bonus, use the promo code assembly to get $20 back after your first purchase iustore.shop will take you to the official IU online store when it's time to shop for birthdays or Christmas or just to get new stuff for the upcoming season. They have gear for everyone, kids and adults, and they always have a ton of stuff on sale. So again, please bookmark iutickets.shop and iustore.shop and use them when you are looking for tickets and for IU gear. Taking just that one extra step before you shop will help us raise the money that we need to cover our most important expenses like website hosting and podcasting equipment. And what else might that be, Andy? I think Nick's would be a good answer to that question. Always a good answer to that question. Can't ever forget that. Once again, the URLs are iutickets.shop and iustore.shop. Thank you. All right, you are listening to Assembly Call Radio. I am Jared Morris here with Ryan Phillips and the coach, Brian Tonsoni. And guys, let's talk about uh, what I think is this week's top story, which is the crazy vertical jump measurements that came out of the kind of the final measurements that they did after the summer program. Now, this is a video that was posted on Tuesday, July 24th, tweeted out by the, the official IU men's basketball Twitter account. And these are all the Hoosiers who had vertical jumps of 40 or higher. Quentin Taylor was at 40. Juwan Morgan was at 40. And apparently his vertical jump improved by 13 inches during this session. Uh, Al Durham's was 40 and a half, up 5.5. Rob Finnessy's was 42 and a half, up 5.5. Romeo Langford's 43. His was up four and a half. and Devontae Green's was 44.5. His was up 6.5. And Justin Smith's vertical leap, this is max vertical, was 48 inches which is up seven inches from where it was when they tested at the beginning of the session. Now, that is incredible. And you just watch that video and you can see how athletic these guys are. Ryan, all I will say about this is that at the NBA Draft Combine, Josh Okogie and Dante DiVincenzo had the highest max verticals and they were at 42 inches. So I think it's important to know cuz some people have been wondering like wait a minute like how how can these numbers be legitimate when you know the guys at the NBA draft combine are going this high it's important to remember they measure that from only two steps and the guys in the in the in the video that Indiana tweeted some of them were taking three four five steps they were getting a running start so I think that's it, it's a different way of measuring and I think that accounts for how high but either way you slice it just looking at that video you can see how athletic these guys are and it's pretty clear this is going to be one of the more athletic teams in recent IU history
2: yeah and and look the way you measure it it just it, the reason they do it that way at the NBA combine is so that it can be static and standard for everybody it's okay you only get two steps or it's disqualified and, and so it's just to make it static and and i agree i mean it's it's worth noting that because if you are comparing it to the combine you know, you, you have to sort of go with the same measurements, but that's not what I use trying to do here. They're trying to say, okay, your absolute max. If you're running full speed up court, how high can you get? Because that's what matters in basketball. But again, yeah, and, comp- and, and hint, hint,
0: look how much these guys improved. Come to IU, work with Cliff Marshall.
2: Yeah. And, and look. It, 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 the vertical jump doesn't just have to do with leg strength. It doesn't have to do with speed or anything, you know, increasing your speed, which can certainly help if you get momentum and things like that. A lot of it has to do with flexibility, with the ability to, you know, bend your knees to a certain degree and get up more and your ability to stretch out and and get up as high as you can with your hands. So there's so much that goes into it. We saw a guy like Thomas Bryant just work on his flexibility his first summer there and expand his vertical tremendously and become more athletic. So things like, you know, yoga and flexibility training can all help you improve every part of your athleticism, because it really unlocks something that's in that that is not, you know, on the surface, like just straight athleticism, or, or, you know, just being muscular. So it's really cool to see this IU training staff work with everything, get these guys more flexible because then flexibility helps prevent injuries. It's not just all about lifting and getting stronger and bigger. Uh, so it's really nice to see all of that work happening and and see the results. and And it's great for those guys to see the results. I think that that putting those numbers up against how much they improved is is as much for those guys. As it is for the fans to view because it shows them, hey, look at the improvement you've made. We're going to broadcast this to everybody because we're proud of you for doing it. And I'm sure they're proud of themselves as well.
0: Coach, besides daydreaming at what it must be like to coach a team with that level of athleticism, what did uh, you think watching that video?
1: Um, I think I need to hire Cliff Marshall to work on my body. Uh, I need to lose, you know, quite quite a bit and I want to get my vertical from about two to, to maybe five. We should make that a um, show.
2: We should all have to go through a Cliff Marshall workout.
1: Oh man. Yeah.
2: (laughs) See how many pounds of water weight we lose in
1: that. Have a defibrillator ready for this guy. But, um, the, the thing is, is that every program has, has strength and conditioning coaches, but you can win in the strength and conditioning Uh, department as well. And and that leads into our next uh, segment here about coaching too. Cliff Marshall has done this for a living and trained NFL athletes have taken their serve and gone and asked him to train them uh, prior to him coming uh, to the the college game. So that seems to me to be a little bit of a niche that uh, Indiana may be trying to gather. And the strength is The strength is you want your players to be strong. Stronger makes you better defensively. It makes you uh, shoot well late in the games. And the numbers are great. But physically getting better uh, will, will make your basketball skills better, too. And that's what's exciting is that level of improvement, as you said, Jared.
0: Yep. Alrighty, coming up, we are going to talk about coaching. Coach Tonsoni wrote an article for our friends at Hoosiers United this week called Characteristics of a Good Coaching Staff. He will educate us, and then we will discuss it in the context of IU. That is next. Stick with us on the assembly call. are listening to the assembly call a weekly show about iu basketball plus a post-game show that goes live during the season as soon as every iu basketball game ends if you ever have to miss all or part of an episode of the assembly call there are two great ways to catch up you can subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen to podcasts just search for assembly call or you can watch our live video broadcasts on Thursday nights and after all IU games on YouTube. And by the way, the YouTube broadcasts also feature the between-segment banter that doesn't make it into the radio or podcast edit of the show. And last week, that included this really strange demand from Ryan uh, to talk to Andy's wife in the middle of the show. Hey, put Jen on the phone. I want to talk to her. To subscribe to our YouTube channel, go to youtube.com slash call. Jen's awesome. What can I say? <laughs> it's Andy's Andy. Mrs. Bottoms is awesome. We all
2: love Mrs. Bottoms.
0: Yeah, you know, next show he can't make. We should see if she can sub in for him. She does. You know she can. You know, I know she would. She knows her basketball, too. So uh, I'm Jared Morris. I'm here with Ryan Phillips and the coach, Brian Tonsoni. And, coach, as I teased at the end of the last segment, you wrote an article called The Characteristics of a Good Coaching Staff. This is over uh, at the new website. Um, our friend Ben, ben Malcolmson uh, started Hoosiers United. We highly recommend uh, that site for folks. I believe it's Hoosiers United.com. Uh, and in this article, I just want to quote one part of this article that you wrote here, Coach. You said, The head coach of any collegiate sports program is the face of that team and are responsible and accountable for the results of that program. What is overlooked by many is the effort and expertise of the entire coaching staff. Rarely do the assistant coaches have to answer questions, but they do have a lasting effect on the players and team. And as someone who grew up the son of an assistant coach, you know, at, at major college football, you know, both in Indiana and Purdue, uh, I certainly know how hard the assistant coaches work, how much they mean. And so I really appreciated reading that. So I want to talk about this article and let's go through these four characteristics that you have um, generally, and then let's apply them to the IU staff because I think so far we've all been really impressed with the job that Indiana staff has done. And I think what you've written provides a nice framework for kind of analyzing this staff. So you want to take us through the four characteristics?
1: Yeah. One of the the important ones when I was a head coach and now as I'm an assistant and, and in the high school level's, different than a collegiate level but loyalty is really important on the coaching staff you do you do not want your coaches to be yes men and always agree with what the head coach is doing and not bring up challenging issues or challenging questions but at the end of that discussion then it becomes a total team effort that's one way of loyalty fitting in with the staff uh the The other way is when you're an assistant, you have to know your role, and your role is to provide service for the players, and the head coach, and the university that you're you're working for. And you got to get that disease of me out of the way. Uh, Yes, you might have um, you know goals of becoming a head coach yourself and and wanting to do some of those things, but uh, I think you rise up when you show loyalty to to the person that you're working for and helping that person. And that's how your resume and and your reputation really gets lifted up is when you help others uh, and that's the team and and the coach. And nothing's worse than having someone inside your program being um, part of the problem and leaking information and disagreeing with you at at the corner tavern or something uh, at a booster meeting or something like that. And so loyalty has to has to be um, one of those things. I know it is on our staff. Dedication. That's just hard work, and I, I think most coaches at the college level buy into that. Uh, I, I don't, I don't think probably. they'd last very long if they didn't. Absolutely, so that that's kind of a given, but but one of the things, um, Don Meyer was a a, a great coach in, in college basketball, and may he rest in peace, And and I learned a lot from Don Meyer. He was at Lipscomb in Nashville, Tennessee, and then went out to Northern University, and he said, look for work. And that's been one of the things that I've tried to do myself is if you're a good assistant, you don't just wait for the direction of the daily meeting in the morning or whatever the college coaches do. You, you go and you try to find out and you know what your head coach wants. You know what your program wants and you go and do that and, and add to the program, not just following um, the information. And you've got to be dedicated to doing things right. Uh, as well. And we've seen with the FBI situation where some assistance coaches have gone astray and that that hurts the head coach, that hurts the program. And I don't know how you interview to prevent that, uh, but that's not a good staff when you have that kind of stuff uh, going on. Knowledge, obviously you want to get your best uh, knowledgeable people in for your sport. uh, And that could be different things. It could be offense, defense, it could be the strength coach uh it could be uh in with bill colmar how to be a great director of basketball operations uh but you have to have knowledge of the game and in college you have to know knowledge of that the horrible 18,000 volume ncaa uh rule book because again that's a that's a big part and then a niche in college game uh they'll hire you for a certain thing and recruiting is one of the big big things that i think um head coaches look at do you have a niche in the recruiting world do you have connections uh, and, and we see that somewhat in the Indiana state. So, and then you gotta, you gotta be able to pay them a little bit or have a teaching spot in high school or whatever. But those four things I think give you a chance and then you've, you've got to execute, um, those four qualities.
0: Loyalty, dedication, knowledge, and niche. Those, those are the four uh, that you mentioned. And you, know, you also wrote in that article, simply hiring coaches for the right reasons does not guarantee success. Part of the job of the head coach as leader of the program is to evaluate his or her coaching staff and hold them accountable. If changes are needed, they must be made. You know, and so it's like right now, you know, we're all very excited about Indiana staff, and it seems like they're working really well together. But You know, as it goes forward, Archie's going to have to evaluate and make sure that it's working. What, what are the biggest challenges there when you're trying to evaluate on a year to year basis, you know, where you might need to, I mean, obviously, you know, having that conversation would be a very difficult one, but what are the other challenges that come in with the evaluation of your staff to make sure that it's, you know, maybe it's good, but then how can you take it to great?
1: Well, I think every year you look at, okay, uh, we're brand new on the job. What, what did the last group do that we need to do better? And you constantly strive in the off season part of your off season plan is what can each level of coaching staff bring that they didn't bring the last year? I think that's one way, um, The toughest thing for a head coach is when you work closely with four, five, six guys in football, it's a heck of a lot more. Uh, It becomes a tight-knit group. And if you're a good coaching staff, you're really tight. And if all of a sudden you're not getting the results in in one aspect that that head coach is there, they they may be a loyal guy, they may be dedicated, uh, but maybe their knowledge is not is just not getting done what needs to be done. That, that's that's the tough part when you're a head coach. But those decisions need to be made, and and then to bring someone in. Uh, I think you could also tell about a lot about the head coach about with how quick the turnover is, and an assistant leaving to take a head coaching job is one thing, but you know lateral moves away from a program I think do tell sometimes about the whole o- overall structure of a coaching staff. Uh, one of the big things and and. Don't want to get into a big, long discussion, but when Calvert Chaney left, uh, that, that kind of opened my eyes a little bit. That was, um, mm. you know, why would, would a guy like that leave the Indiana program? Um, and, and that's not our point. But again, there are changes that need to be made. Sometimes it's the assistant needing to leave because uh, they don't fit in with what the head coach wants. But the head coach has got to monitor that and cannot. Yes, you want to be loyal back to your assistants, but you're the person in charge. And have to make that that decision.
0: You're listening to Assembly Call Radio. I'm Jared Morris here with Ryan Phillips and the coach Brian Tonsoni. We're talking about the characteristics of a good coaching staff. So let's talk about that in the context of Indiana's coaching staff. And I think it's really interesting you know, Brian, when you talked about knowledge and niche and you kind of go down Indiana staff and it's really clear kind of the different things that each coach brings, right? It's like Bruiser Flint has previous head coaching experience that Archie can lean on. He's been through so many situations and he really brings that recruiting on the East Coast because of his long history there. Tom Ostrom, you know, is basically Archie's right-hand man. You talk about loyalty and dedication. I mean, he has got it. Same with Bill Comar and also Tom, a great recruiter, Ed Schilling, known for his skill development and for his immense Indiana connections. Uh, you talked about Bill Comar with, you know, the kind of the operations and the scheduling. Then you've got Derek Elston, his connection to IU's recent past, you know, his attitude, ability to work with players. And Cliff Marshall, who you mentioned earlier, who just has incredible authority as a strength and conditioning coach because of the professional athletes that he's worked with and just immense knowledge. So you look at the staff, and I think one of the reasons we've all been impressed with it is it does seem like. It, there is a a lot of different bases covered and a lot of individual niches that these coaches fit into that you need to build a winning program.
1: Yeah, I I agree 100% with with what you said. Um, Ed Schilling, uh, being from the state of Indiana, being in the NBA, being in a variety of college settings, a head coach himself, and then running his own skill development, uh, that's something you can sell to recruits and, and not only sell to recruits, but it makes your players better when you have an expert on that. And I'm sure that Archie has his ideas on skill development and Bruiser does too. But when you have someone like that, um, Bill Kumar, uh, he he wouldn't remember, but we spent about three or four hours uh, in a lobby of a hotel at a coaching clinic once when he was at Loyola University, just an outstanding basketball guy and and, and, ser- and wants to serve the programs that he he was in. And, um, you, look at this staff and it, it does, it fits different roles. And the interesting thing is they all have a recruiting niche, uh, you know, bruiser on the Eastern, uh, uh, Ostrom is doing well in in the Midwest and Minnesota and shilling all all the way around. And so, you know, that's a part of the college game that you've got to know where you want to go get the talent and have influence. So, uh, yeah, I think it's a well put together staff and obviously it has to get the job done. Did you offer
0: to uh, provide Bill Comar further instruction with some emails when you, uh, when you met with him?
1: (laughs) No, I was taking notes (laughs) quite a bit. It was, uh, and again, as a high school guy, sometimes the college guys look the other way when they see you at a clinic and, and um, a high school friend of mine from Ohio knew Bill and and asked if I'd like to meet, meet him, and we sat and talked to like three or four in the morning, and it was Man, pure that's basketball. Awesome. And that's, that's where you get a lot of, of good stuff that's not just, you know, what zone offense to run, but um, there was a lot of good things shared. That was seven, eight, eight or so years ago, but that's the quality of person that's on this Indiana staff, and a lot of staffs have good people, but you've got to put together that winning combination if you want to be in the top, uh, you know, four seeds in the NCAA tournament and have a chance to win it
0: ryan this is without question the longest you've ever gone without interrupting uh so we know we know you have opinions on this so we'd like to well hear, we've got hear a
2: guest thoughts. jared i'm trying to be nice ryan's uh, not a guest he's
0: more he's than a, a guest, guest now he's one of us
2: well he's, he's, more he's than a family guest. but he's a guest in our house right now you know you don't push him to take the shoes off you just <laughs> oh, kinda, right, but andy oh. you'll just jump over andy That's yeah fine. of course <laughs> he's you know he's a member of the family uh <laughs> who lives here um what I would say is that I think every coaching staff is, is a family and, and that needs to be the vibe and you can disagree with members of your family and you can disagree about the way to move forward and you can even have arguments, but in the end they're still your family and you're still, you know, you don't choose them necessarily. You're stuck with them. And, and and I I think like post game game show hosts. Yeah, pretty much. I own a third of the company. Sorry, Jared. It's, (laughs) (laughs) but, but, uh, no, I, I think that that needs to be the vibe is that you know what we can disagree we can have battles and I'm sure there are backroom battles about players like who should we recruit harder well I like this guy I like this guy let's break down more tape let's you know and each each staff member fights for their guys that they really want to pursue and that they you know that happens with playing time for players as well I mean they, staff, certain staff work with certain players and think hey we got to get this guy some more opportunities and all that stuff so you can have disagreements, but there needs to be a unified vision for the coaching staff. And it all needs to come together sort of at below the head coaching level and then funnel up through the head coach. And, and I think that's what we're seeing with Indiana is this is Archie's vision. And this is what he wanted to do. You're looking at what he laid out in the beginning. That he was going to do even from something as simple. And we've mentioned it a lot this summer is up upgrading the social media presence of the program. You've seen that in, Incredibly done incredibly well in a short order. And that that's something that, again, funneled down from the head coach and funneled right back up. And it's helping him do his job. Because now when he goes out to recruit and he has to go one-on-one with these guys, he can point to this stuff and say, hey, we're modernizing. We're going to be at the forefront of all of this. So I just think that that's one key is everybody needs to be uh, as 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 Brian said, they all need to bring stuff to certain things to the table, and it all needs to work together, but then they also have to have that unified vision of the head coaching you know of the head coach and It's always great when your assistant coaches are going off getting head coaching jobs it means you're doing something right and and so but the the key is to continue to add solid members of the staff and replace them you know replace the parts that are missing and
0: and I think that that Archie so far has done a really good job yeah. All right, coming up on the assembly call, we are going to zero in on Archie and discuss the unique challenges that he will face in his second season at Indiana. Challenges that are unlike any he has faced as a head coach before. How do we think he'll handle them? Stick with us here on the assembly call. Welcome back. You are listening to the Assembly Call. Here is a little fun fact for you. In addition to our post-game show and our weekly radio show, we also have over 5800 IU fans from around the globe. Who subscribe to our email newsletter there's a high level operation going on out there and you can join too it is easy just text iu to 66866 or go to assemblycall.com you will get our weekly six banner sunday news roundups as well as our post game analysis emails once the season begins it is all free and it will make you a smarter and more well-informed iu basketball fan again go to assemblycall.com or text iu to 66866 and join for free today make no excuses I'm Jared Morris. I'm here with Ryan Phillips and the coach, Brian Tonsoni. And guys, we just talked about the characteristics of a good coaching staff, and we talked a lot about the assistants. I want to zero in on the head coach for IU now, Archie Miller. And we got this question from Joel um, that I thought really, really does a good job of kind of kicking this segment off. So he says, has Archie ever coached a team with this much talent compared to his best Dayton team? With such talent, how is he going to balance playing time with a dozen guys, and will we be grading Archie's performance with more scrutiny in year two? And the reason why I like Joel's question is I think it really hit on the major challenges that Archie is facing this year. You know, Number one being it's, it's by far the most talent he's ever had on his roster. I mean, he had two players at Dayton who made it to the NBA. In some seasons, he was playing with you know a rotation of six guys. So now he's got a roster of 14 players all of whom almost surely have legitimate aspirations about having a role this season. And so he's going to have to manage that, manage those expectations, manage that playing time. And also, you know, this being year two expectations are going to be raised. You know, none of us are going to be talking about how the players need to unlearn the bad habits from the Korean era. And, you know, you get a guy like Romeo Langford, the expectations are going to go up. So, you know, Ryan, as you look at the challenges facing Archie, what do you think is maybe the biggest challenge and what gives you confidence that he'll be able to stand tall in the face of that challenge and succeed? Well, I think you hit it on the
2: head that and the question really hit it on the head that he's never had a team with this much talent where he's had to balance playing time. He's had to balance uh, making sure that these guys get their opportunities to shine and show they've improved and all that stuff. And that they belong in the lineup. A lot of the freshmen probably want to come in and play and, and they're talented enough to play. So how do you manage a guy like Jerome Hunter, who, might be behind some guys who are just more advanced than he is right now when Jerome is really good and we really liked him. And had Indiana not gotten Romeo Langford, you still feel pretty good about him being the top guy in that recruiting class. You still feel like, Oh, this is, this is a legit guy. He's not a one and done, but he's a guy who could legit become a very good basketball player. So, Uh, It is going to be interesting. How do you handle a Romeo Lankford, a guy who you want to be able to showcase his individual ability for a couple of reasons? One, because you just want the kid to be successful and get drafted high and go off and represent Indiana in your program also in the NBA. And two, how do you... I guess guess what I would say about Romeo is I think he's going to be an easy kid to coach, but how do you showcase him while still playing within a team concept to, which will ultimately help him play better and get better shots and 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 you know uh, probably rack up better numbers if he 's making everybody else better as well, so how do you manage that? when to let him attack, when to have him pull it out and and move the ball around and then attack in different ways so there are some challenges that archie 's never had before, but as you said during the when we were talking before the break you know he 's been at Ohio State where they had some really good players he 's seen how other coaches have managed that his dad's a coach i'm sure he's leaning on him i'm sure he's leaning on his brother sean how do you manage having a one-and-done talent uh, you know and, and having him play within the system that you want to play and and also you know getting a guy like that and and not to say Romeo doesn't play defense because he does but how do you get him to also buy in completely on that end when really he's always been such an offense first player
0: yeah, you know, coach, as I look at this, you know, even though these are some challenges Archie hasn't faced, I think there are good reasons to think that he's well prepared to go through it for the first time. Now, he's, you know, there's going to be a learning curve with a new thing like there is for anybody. But, you know, I think the staff that we talked about, I think that will help him. The experience of guys like Bruiser Flint and and Ed Schilling and all of those guys, I think that'll help. We mentioned, you know, the experience at Arizona and Ohio State. Here's the other thing that I think is going to help that I want to get your thoughts on, Coach, when we talk about the playing time issue. Because I think that's going to be really interesting to see how that all shakes out. One thing that I think will work in his favor is what he does with kind of the quantitative measurements of practice and measuring production to always have something to point to to say, this is why guys are playing. How much of an impact will that make on a roster of 14 guys who could play to be able to have something that is you know, objective, not just subjective where, you know, maybe the coach doesn't like me. You go in and you say, no, look, these eight guys are actually producing more than you. I mean, I don't really know what you say to that when you're a player,
1: (laughs) you know, other than crap, I got to go produce more. I I think what you're saying uh, to me is a way to communicate to all 14 players what their role is. and and having some statistics and practice and some production numbers and practice is one way of communicating that. I think you use your assistants to keep communicating and build relationships because obviously there are going to be players in those 14 that aren't happy uh, with, with their situation, but you have to stick to what your vision is. Ryan mentioned that, um, about a vision. I think, um, off air but you have your vision you know how many players you want to play you rise you increase the level of competition and the best thing any coach can do at any level is communicate and and however that is with stats or just conversations uh, and then you got to understand that that may work or that may not work the other thing is you recruit competitors and competitors may not like losing and if they're 10 11 then bring it in practice and make sure you move up to seven, eight, or nine, and that's part of the recruiting angle too. Do you bring in talented kids who can handle a competitive situation? That would help too. But communication, to me, is is probably the way I would answer that.
0: You're listening to Assembly Call Radio. I'm Jared Morris here with Ryan Phillips and the coach Brian Tonsoni. And you know, speaking of communication, Ryan, the other reason why I'm confident, you know, that Archie's going to be able to deal with these challenges in his second year is you know he does have now a year in Bloomington to kind of get the lay of the land to kind of understand you know where he is you know it's it's different than Columbus it's different from you know from from Arizona but the other thing is you look at what Archie has done since he started and so far he has done everything he said he's going to do like he's made some pretty bold statements of things he's going to do and he's done them and i think that starts to give you confidence that now the next challenge, the next thing that he's going to do, he's going to be able to do it because you've seen him say it, you've seen him do it, and it's like he just keeps moving forward and keeps building. And so I think that's another reason uh, to have confidence.
2: Yeah. And, and look, this is a guy who we said from day one, it, he's a very serious guy you know, and he's he's not going to play around. There's not going to be flowery language. He's going to say, he's very straightforward. He says what he's going to do and he's going to follow through on it or he's going to dang near die trying. I mean, you know, he's really going to push for what he wants to do. This is his program and it's going to have his identity. And you started seeing last year at times, you know, some of the guards were playing and we would mention it. They were playing like Archie used to play. Like, you know, I mean, they were taking on the, the I, I, they're really taking on his personality, I guess I would say, is, is the team was. And it's, it, I would say, when a guy is that direct and he's that straightforward about what he wants and what's he want, what he wants to do, then it makes it easy for his team to follow through. It makes it easy for his assistant coaches to follow through. It makes it easy for the athletic director, the assistant athletic director. It makes it easier for the managers to give the guy what he needs to get there when there's a consistent message of, I need this. I'm not saying you know I'd really like to have this, but you know we can work with something else. That he says I need this. This is what we need to move forward. It's easy to help a guy like that, and it's easy to get him what he needs and the the tools he needs to succeed in any business. It has nothing to do with basketball, but it's you know when that's your management style, you're far more likely to be successful than somebody. You know flexibility is great, but. In a situation like this, when you're at the top of a huge machine, and Indiana basketball is a huge machine, you got to lay out what you want and you got to know how to go about achieving it and what you need to achieve it. And I just feel like Archie Miller is going to be that guy.
1: I think there's some, um, we, it, it gets overplayed a little bit, but having him play and being an ex player in college and having him be a, a smaller player who had to fight and compete, um, I find it hard for a Division One athlete to say to him, you know, I'm not getting a fair treatment because he's just <laughs> going to be no nonsense and say, hey, you know what, life's not fair. I had to battle as well, and I know what you're going through. Stay with us, stick with us. Um, you know, that gets a lot of play in the media that that he is a, a former player, but that is, that is some credibility that not everyone has. And, and I think uh, that as well as, you know, he has come in and said, this is what we're doing. And he's starting to show that it's uh, playing, playing well and, and he's accomplishing things. So, and the other thing is you're never going to make 14 players uh, happy, too. You have to understand that some players are not going to be happy. And at some point, uh, you, know, you had a transfer midseason last year, uh, those things might happen and maybe are likely to happen but you've got to make the best decisions and it just seems like he's he has no fear is is what i'm saying of doing what's right and holding players accountable uh come playing time and in those decisions Yeah. I felt like we had an amazing conversation
0: on all levels. Alrighty, coming up in our final segment, we're going to answer some more of your questions, including one about redshirting in college hoops uh, and who on the current roster we think might benefit from one. We're also going to talk about the new vlog that was released recently. Stick with us here on the assembly call. listening to the assembly call we are wrapping up another week of talking iu basketball i'm jared morris here with ryan phillips and the coach brian tonsoni as andy bottoms had the week off this week and guys it's time to answer some questions and we've got a fun new little feature here on the assembly call a fun new little tool we set up a voicemail box so that you can actually call in and leave your question as a voice message and we can play it right here on the air and really i can think of few long-time Assembly Call listeners who would be more fitting to have as the first person to submit a voice question than Valerie, who has been listening to the show for a long time. So supportive. We just appreciate all the help that she has has given to the show and the support and everything. And so I was really excited when her question came through. So we're going to play her question first, and you're not going to have to listen to me read it to you. You're going to listen to Valerie state it. So here is Valerie's question that will kick this segment off was really impressed earlier today by the uh, vlog that was released by IU Men's Basketball. And to an old-timer like me, this uh, social media stuff is pretty new. Um, just how important are things like vlogs and similar social media outlets to new players? I mean... I was ready to join the team today. I thought they looked like lovely young men. So anyway, um, your thoughts. Thank you. I thought they looked like lovely young men as well. And did you guys see the new video? It was posted. It was like an hour ago. Or two out, I, caught, hours I caught I caught a few minutes before we went on
2: the air. I didn't I didn't see the whole thing.
0: So 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 quick on. description. It was basically picture day. So it showed all the players like in front of the green screens taking pictures. Deron Davis had the video camera. He was interviewing people, they were asking questions. It was I mean, as all the videos are, it was just really, really well done. Another great way to kind of get to know the guys. But to to Valerie's question, Ryan, how important is posting stuff like that? I mean, we all get excited talking about it in a you know midsummer show, but what does it matter really? Couple things.
2: It works on a couple levels in Indiana's favor and in the players' favor. One, it gets them a chance to get their personalities out there. That that video where they were in the pool. I think we kind of, you know, playing basketball in the pool. I think we kind of got an idea of their personalities a little more than you know you get from pictures and videos of them playing. Uh, you know, joking around with each other. Juwan Morgan definitely acting like the dad in the pool, kind of. And you know, there was just some dynamics going on there that were great. Uh, also, you know what it does is it lets the basketball program maybe control like say, like, hey, you know what? Don't tweet out to, to the players, be like, hey, don't tweet out, we'll we'll don't tweet out a video of what you're doing with your lunch. We'll we'll create a video of that for you. It'll be better quality. It kind of reins in the guys on social media that they can interact with fans and stuff, but you know they're not out tweeting their own videos they're not out doing because the the program's already doing that for them and it it can manage sort of what is getting put out there about the program and it becomes a place you can go and check things like that out as a fan really connect to the team and get more invested i mean for so long and 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 some people don't like social media because it sort of ruins the mystique of like these guys are like gods and they're inaccessible and it's you know whatever But that's not the world we live in anymore. Athletes are accessible. Coaches are accessible. You're one tweet away from talking to JJ Watt or whoever, you know, whoever is is the most active on social media. So I think that it's great for the health of the program and for kids coming in to see that, to be like, hey, look, we did a whole... Vlog following Deron Davis around. We'll do that for you when you get here, just as a get to know you. So people can you know, know who you are and you know who's going to look at that. NBA people are going to look at that. You're going to build your brand through that. I think that there's, there's a lot about brand building nowadays in college athletics, in, even in like AAU and high school athletics. And it's about showing yourself as an individual, but showing yourself as an individual through Indiana basketball. And I think that's great for the program. Coach, what did
0: you think of it and and just the social media Uh, stuff in general?
1: I I think social media is just a a sign of the times, but it's, again, another form of communication from the coaching staff. There's a lot of demands on athletes, and we demand them to play well, to eat well, to go to class, to do all those things. And it's a way to show them doing some of those things, and it's showing some um, behind-the-scenes activities as well. And and it's a a way for coaching staff uh, and a program to say, hey, thanks uh, for being a complete person uh and, and in a non basketball way the the Ellison the running back who was uh, helping the homeless um you know sometimes uh fans are so critical of athletes uh and it's nice to know the the other side too you know if Ellison only runs for 45 yards um okay we're disappointed in that effort, but he's still a heck of a young man so um i think it 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 serves that purpose i i think it promotes the program promotes the players and and it's an overall good feeling um It makes you more
2: invested as a fan. Yeah, absolutely. It really does. You know, it makes you more invested and it it makes you more invested to them as a person as well so that when they move on to the NBA, you're more invested. I mean, I think that, Jared, you would say that you've gone to see Yogi play when he was in Dallas because you knew who he was and you liked him and you saw him grow as a person and a player at IU. Yeah, no, absolutely. So you went out of your way to go watch him play.
0: Yeah. No, there's no question about it. That that that's why I love it. And I, I love that point, Ryan. I mean, I think it really does it 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 allows you to remember the humanity of these guys, Coach, as you said, and it gets you more invested because you know them you know the players better and it increases that emotional connection with the team, which is kind of why we watch sports, you know, and what makes it fun. So I think for all those reasons. But great question, Valerie and I should give the number. It's three one seven Rob Make, R O B M A K E. I think that comes out to seven, six, two, two, six, five, three, something like that. But it's Rob 317 Rob make is the number. So if you want to leave us a voice message with a question for a future show, uh, it may be played right here on assembly car radio. Uh, Okay. We've got time for at least one more. Um, this is from Jeff. Uh, what are your thoughts on red shirting in college basketball? And do you think there's anyone on the roster currently who would benefit from one? Ryan, what do you think? Well, one, and this is
2: kind of an out of the box one, and I know it, it's not exactly what we're looking for here, but I think that Daron Davis is a potential guy who might benefit from a redshirt because of the you know coming back from the injury, the you know it's such a devastating injury coming back from that, he might benefit from one. I would also say Jake Forrester is is really the candidate I would see. Maybe I don't think that's going to happen, um, especially if Daron Davis is going to be out until January or sometime around then. Uh, I, I would say he's probably not going to get one. I think under normal circumstances, if Deron Davis was healthy, that'd be a guy maybe red shirt. Uh, but there, you know, there are options out there for a red shirt. Certainly there's some depth on this team at, at certain spots that I don't think we expected there to be uh, maybe a couple months ago, especially with uh, Fitzner coming in. Um, but yeah, I, I would say the two Candidates I can think of would be Forrester and Deron Davis. And under, again, under normal circumstances, maybe Forrester did, does redshirt uh, if Deron was going to be back sooner. But I think we're all hoping that they take their time with Deron and just get him healthy. Uh, but redshirting in college basketball can be very effective. You've seen teams like Gonzaga and Villanova use it to great effect. Really, you know, guys come in undersized, uh, skinny, not as strong, go in, redshirt, and then come out much better for it. Uh, especially if you've already got people in those positions ahead of them and they're not going to get much more than, you know, 10, 15 minutes or or five, 10 minutes a game, you know, why not give them a year to get stronger, better, more focused. And uh, it's really worked for a couple programs really well.
0: Damezie Anderson is the other name that people have talked about. That's true. A I could, I could def- but Indiana is also pretty thin, you know. And in, in back. Yeah, I,
2: I could see that. I think it's going to matter. It's going to really depend on how things shake out uh, once they ramp up practice to start and and uh, and, and see where these guys fit. Really,
0: uh, Coach. Let's go with this question here from Josh. IU will always be considered a blue blood program, according to me and the rest of the fan base. But what will it take to restore that reputation nationally? A title, a couple Final Four runs, or just sustain competitive competitiveness what do you think the program
1: needs to do i think that's a great question uh, josh i think it is the the last thing that he mentioned and i was going to say the word consistently consistency they've got to be a top 20 program year in and year out for several years to get back to that that blue blood um and we just haven't been there we, we we've had a good run and then it's a couple two or three years down and two good years and and uh you, you need to be consistent. Um, In order to be thought that way. And some other teams have have risen up um, in in the Big Ten and and around the country that have kind of replaced our standing. I I think in name and in tradition and the the number of titles, we will always be considered one of those top programs, and I think we are. But to be really truly back uh, is not one game, not one season, not one result. It is uh four or five years of top 20 you know sweet 16 final four appearances uh to be back to where okay that is a program that is is just tough to beat on a year in and year out basis
0: all right ryan real quick final question from brian when can we expect the first commit for the 2019 class and who will it be you want to make a prediction Ooh, geez um we got 20 seconds Maybe I would say before, I I would say right around
2: the uh, September mark. And my guess is going to be Trace Jackson
0: Davis. I'm saying Trace Jackson Davis after Hoosier Hysteria. That's September. Yeah. Yeah. That would be what I would say. Okay. Uh, Well, that will do it for us on this week's episode of the Assembly Call. If you want to see us do the show live and be part of the live chat, join us at assemblycall.com on Thursday nights for the live broadcast of our Assembly Call radio recording. Or you can always subscribe to our podcast by searching for Assembly Call wherever you listen to podcasts. And don't forget to go to assemblycall.com slash join to join our free email newsletter or text IU to 66866. Thank you for listening. We will be back to talk IU hoops again with you next week. Until then, keep your elbows in and your eyes on the rim. And go Hoosiers. Thank everybody for coming out. All right. I got to get out of here, folks. Thank you. Thank you for being here and for listening to this episode of the assembly call. We appreciate it. And we really do rely on the support of audience members like you to keep our show going and to keep growing and so we have set up a page on our website at assemblycall.com slash support that lists five ways that you can support the Assembly Call. We encourage you to choose whichever method is the easiest and most convenient for you. One of the methods is donating, and so many of you have donated, and we appreciate it so much. On that page, you can choose a monthly recurring donation or an annual recurring donation or just a one-time donation, whatever works for you. And if you don't want to donate... Another way to support the show is you can use our affiliate URLs, iutickets.shop or iustore.shop when you're going to shop for tickets or gear, and we will get paid a small commission when you use those links. But however you support the show, we appreciate it. Thank you. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough.